Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. We're talking through this week, Holy Week. I want to share this verse with you. 1 Timothy 6.21. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. They don't know God. Anytime you have tornadoes, things like that happen, it makes you start thinking about who knows God and who doesn't. I think tragedy, death, destruction, those types of things. If you're a believer, I hope it always brings eternity into your perspective, into your mind. Who needs to know God that doesn't know him at all? This is the most important thing in life. And yesterday, seeing hundreds of people go out, they showed up just to try, try to do whatever they could to make a difference. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't know. Like, how, how can I help? Like, I don't know how to run a chainsaw. If you don't know how to run a chainsaw, please don't run a chainsaw, okay? Please, okay? You're gonna add to the problem. But, but here's the thing. Be salt and light. Show up. You can encourage somebody. You can pray for people. Sometimes people are in those situations, they just need to see that there are other people there that care, even if they don't know exactly the best ways to care. So I wanna throw that out there, but I saw the body of Christ show up. And this is what I know without a shadow of a doubt. I saw pictures of churches. We saw churches in, in Jacksonville completely destroyed. I guarantee you those churches are stronger today than they were last week because the church is not a building, it's its people. And those people are rising up. And not only are they not worried about their church building, but they're also waking up to see, okay, we can't forget that we have a mission that God has given us to reach and love the people that are around us. And so the body of Christ is showing up, and I'm encouraged to see that. We've been in this series called The Table. And this day, today I'm calling the sermon One Week to Live. If you found out you had one week to live, you had seven days and you had all of your physical, mental, and spiritual capacities at 100%, how would you live that week? I think days like Saturday or days like Friday bring these kinds of things in perspective. Like how are you living? What are you doing with your life? How would you live your week? Pastor Rick told me how he would find out where he was gonna die and just not go there. <laughs> you gotta love a Cajun, right? But what would you do? What would you do with, with your last week? Would you pack your schedule? Would you make a, a bucket list? Would you go skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, go on a bull named Fulman Shoe for 2.7 seconds? And if you don't get the re reference, I feel sorry for you because it means you've never heard good country music before in your life. What would you do? Would you steal a car? You start breaking the law. Some of you are like, you're thinking about all the ways you break the law right now. I'd probably finally go eat at Ruth's Chris because I hear it's really good, but I ain't gotta pay that kind of money unless I know I'm gonna die, right? <laughs> this is Palm Sunday, so this is leading up to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. And I wanna look at how Jesus lived his last, life, his last week because he knew. He knew. How did he live? Jesus lived his last week perfectly. He didn't waste a moment. He didn't even waste a word. And he knows, he said, my moment is now at hand. So he knows. But when you look at it, he's not panicked. He's prioritized. 
He doesn't say, well, I've got one week to live, so I'm just going to go and do everything that I never got around to doing. He's 33 years old. He's young. Yeah, we know he's fully God. He's fully man, too. There could have been definitely some selfishness where he's like, man, I'm going to go do some stuff. But in many ways, Jesus lives out a pretty normal week for him. But the thing about Jesus is his normal always had supernatural results. Every time. So for any of the adrenaline junkies, you're going to be disappointed in the last week. Like, they're not going to make an action movie about the last week of Jesus. But if God had consulted me, I would have said, let's go out with a bang. Let's do this. Let's have a barbecue. Invite 10,000 people. Do some miracles. If any of the religious people show up, we're going to smite them. Whatever smite means, but we're going to smite them so much. We're going to smite them till they have boils or something terrible. Be like, Jesus, if you get arrested, just do that disappearing thing. Walk through some walls. Come on, let's keep partying. If the crowd says crucify them, open up the earth, swallow them up, and their eternal judgment is they have to listen to K-pop for eternity. If you're a K-pop fan, I'm sorry. For you. (laughs) But the last week of Jesus, it's actually a model for fruitful life. He didn't live it much different than he lived the rest of his life. The things, it shows us the things that matter most. And I think, honestly, it shows us how to live in a way where you have a legacy, a spiritual legacy. So let's go to some text. There's multiple accounts, obviously, of the last week of Jesus. Let's look at one in Matthew, starting in verse 20, or verse 30 of chapter 20. And behold, two blind men sitting on the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. The multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Big old group of people warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried all the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still. Everybody say still. And called them and said, what do you want for me to do for you? Okay, Jesus always did that. It's obvious when a blind person's standing in front of you what they want you to do. But a lot of times, and you need to understand this for your life, Jesus is waiting for you to declare in faith, out loud, what you're believing him for. Because that shows trust. It shows surrender. So that's what he does. Lord, that our eyes might be opened. Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So here's Jesus on this crucial mission. Have you ever had somewhere to get to? One of the most frustrating things is when you have somewhere to get to and you keep getting interrupted. Most of y'all live in Cabot, so you know exactly what this feels like on any given day. We know what this is like. I got somewhere to go. It's gonna take me 25 minutes to get there because I'm on Pine Street. I'm on Main Street. I thought I could go to the Walmarts. That was a mistake. We know what that's like. Well, here's the thing. How many of y'all know Jesus had a pretty big agenda? Like, what he was doing, like, here was his mission, probably a little bit more important than anything we've ever had, to save all of humanity forever. That's his mission. And he's just getting interrupted over and over and over again. Even his disciples don't want him to stop and slow down. And what does Jesus do? He takes care of people. He heals them. So 
one principle of making your life really count. If you were going to live your last week, but hopefully every week, stop to care for someone else. Stop to care for someone else. Jesus did this all the time. Off the top of my head, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman that, was, that had a bad back, uh, the man with the shriveled hand, a leper, a blind man, feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000, raising Lazarus from the dead. But every one of those miracles was an interruption. In other words, Jesus was doing something else and somebody came and interrupted and said, we need you, I need you, this is happening. But Jesus, every single time, would turn interruptions into holy opportunities. The thing that's sad is I think that there are too many of us, so many of us, miracles are passing us by. Or our opportunity to be used in a miracle is passing us by. Because we don't have spiritual eyes to see what really matters most to Jesus because we've got somewhere to go and something to do. It's okay to have places to go, people to see. It can't take precedence over an interruption where Jesus might wanna use you. And what I've found is this, I've seen God work miracles in my life, but you know what blesses me even more is when God, by his grace, would somehow use me for a miracle in someone else's life because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But the thing is, if, I, if that's gonna happen, my agenda, what I think is most important, has to be able to be taken and put on a back burner in an instant to what God and what his spirit might lead us to do. It has to be that way. I don't want you to miss those opportunities. When you need a miracle, that's your whole focus. When you need a miracle, that's all you can think about. I guarantee you these people down in Jacksonville and Little Rock, this morning they didn't wake up thinking about the same things that you were thinking about. They're thinking about how they need help. They need God to show up. The character of Christ and how his spirit operates is that we are always open and tuned in to that. To that need. To that compassion. Honestly, sometimes I feel guilty about my level of compassion. Like I'm not compassionate enough. I don't care enough, man. I'm, I know we have busy people in here. I'm busy too. I'm, I'm on mission. like, And I'm not always compassionate to people's needs. And, and you know, even, even over the course of the weekend, I was lit. You know, I was having to prep a sermon. I was like, man, I know how to run a chainsaw. Maybe I should be, I need to be doing that right now. But that, but God has us each in our place and each on our assignment. And we've got to be faithful with that assignment. So I was just trying to do that. But man, I was feeling a little, I was letting a little bit of condemnation come on me. Like, I want to be some armchair quarterback for the things of God and what's happening, what the needs are. I want to be in it. And God just said, you're doing what I've told you to do. So be faithful with it. But when I feel bad about that, I, then I'm reminded, 
of Scripture like this, where you see people ordering blind people that need help to be quiet. They don't want Jesus bothered. And then I realized, you know what? That's just a part of natural fallen flesh to not be tuned into the needs around us. I think all of us need a little bit of a wake-up call around this. And maybe tornadoes help do that. But it's probably better that we don't have to have natural disasters get our attention to tune us into needs. That maybe we just need to be a little more open and sensitive to how the Spirit is always working. Because there's going to be somebody at the checkout line that didn't lose their house in a tornado, but their life is being destroyed by a spiritual tornado. And if you're open to it, maybe the Holy Spirit would use you in that moment. Hey, I just felt led down here to pray for you right now. Man. This is what the Word says about it. One who is generous to the poor, man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him his good deed. By the way, it's not always financially poor. Being poor in spirit is one of the worst kinds of poor you can be. And so encouraging somebody in that place. You know, it just so happens we're dealing with a situation where there's both. There's poor people and poor spirit. They're downcast. They're discouraged. Another translation says it this way, when you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he pays wonderful interest on your plan or on your loan. When I look at the life of Jesus, I love how he would take risk with people all the time. He would seize moments to help. And it's like risky love every time. It's not neat and clean and tidy and the way that we would all wanna plan it. It's just in the middle of a messy interruption. And what I've learned about this is it will always cost time. Sometimes it costs money and it can't be outsourced. It's gotta be me. The moment has to be seized. So certainly relief work that was happening yesterday, I was thankful we had probably 100 folks from our church throughout the day that were helping people and serving people. We had several hundred from our church from across the state partnering with other churches. It's about the body of Christ. It's not about New Life Church. I'm thankful for that. Uh, we even had some airmen who weren't working yesterday that just said, hey, we wanna use our time off to go help people. And showed up and and. By the grace of God, we've got people that are in our church that are leaders on the base that could get those things connected. It was cool to see how God worked through all that. But you have to know, like, this, this, these are needs all the time. Not the same needs, but needs. We got serve teams that show up here every single Sunday and they just serve people. They just facilitate all of us being able to come in here so we can experience the presence of God, so visitors feel welcome. So there's coffee. If you guys aren't thankful for coffee, get out of here right now. <laughs> joking, I'm joking, but I'm thankful, right? We got people back here. Look, you're, I know every one of you think that your kid is a perfect angel. 
but they are not. And sometimes they're really tough to take care of. And, and those people back there, they're just, they're loving on them. They're, they're not babysitting. They're pouring the love of God into them and the word of God into them. And so we have those needs. And you may show up and be like, man, look at all these greeters. Look at all these people. But you need to notice how many of those people do it every time. Because it means that our benches need to be deeper. So we have needs like that. But we got Adopt-A-Block that goes out. They, this is not a new thing. We got Adopt-A-Block that's going into these communities that have needs. They're low income. Loving all those people. Adopt a nursing home. Those are some of the most abandoned, forgotten people in our culture and in our community. They're just going in and encouraging those folks making sure they know they're valued and loved. We have needs all around us. If we want to live a life that means something, we got to stop and serve people. Stop and see the need. Be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to read another passage. In Luke 19, it says this, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing, walking along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. This is Passover week, okay? So in that culture, it's like this, this is something that they've celebrated forever. But the reason why they're so excited is because there are a lot of people that are recognizing that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And even though at that moment, they honestly have the wrong perception of what that meant because they were looking for a military leader that would come and overthrow the Romans. How many of us get trapped in our own context of culture and time and space and think that, the way that God needs to move is the way we think he needs to move, but he needs to move a different way, and we put him in a box. Well, that's what they did with Jesus. But he was, but he was going to deliver them from something way more important than Roman. He was going to deliver them from the power of sin and death. And, but they're celebrating him. They're praising. They're shouting. They're, they're, they're having a praise break. They're going crazy. They took off cloaks. They laid down palm branches because they were seeing a deliverer. If you want to make your life count, if you were going to live your last week and make it count, you got to stop for celebration and worship sometimes. So here's a good question. What are you so excited about this week? A more important question, who are you excited for? What is it that excitement about? Is it about someone else? Is it about what you're going to be able to do to serve someone else? What do you have to be thankful for? As a Christian, filled with God's Holy Spirit, an element of our life should be that there is a spirit of joy that comes out of our life. There is joy. And joy is not dependent upon situation and circumstance. It is eternal. It is supernatural. We were able to see some of that joy yesterday when people that have lost everything, but they have perspective. They understand that is temporary. It's stuff. And some of them, they had the joy of the Lord because they knew that God was still on the throne. 
Christ followers should have this kind of joy. Jesus said he wants us to have joy and his will was that our joy would be complete. What does that mean? It means that walking around the same joy that Jesus had, we should have that too. He wants that for you and he wants it to be complete. One of the tragedies that I see more and more is people don't celebrate enough. People don't celebrate enough. I'm guilty of this too. So many believers have refined their little Christian life down to some really boring dynamics. Like their worship, boring. Their serving, boring. Even their laugh, it's like a smirk. (laughs) You've got something worth celebrating. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have you forgotten that because of Jesus in the cross that you have been completely set free from death and sin? Have you forgotten that? Do you celebrate it? Is it obvious when you're out and about that there's something that you've got that they don't have because of the joy of the Lord inside of you? It sure is quiet in this Baptist church right now. You've got the life of Jesus in you. God made you a physical instrument. Wind, your voice. Okay, you can't sing. Make a joyful noise as loud as you can. Some of you, you don't have a problem doing that. I can hear you. You can't sing a lick, but I can tell you got the joy of the Lord. I'm just glad you're using your voice. God gave you percussion. You can put your hands together. You can slap a leg every once in a while. God created you to worship him. Everything about you says worship your creator. And I would encourage some of you need to add some volume to your worship. You need to get outside of yourself. Some of you, if you died today, when you got to heaven, they'd have to put you in a remedial class for worship in heaven. (laughs) They'd be like, welcome to heaven. Come on. It's like, get... (laughs) You see what they're doing? It's gonna be forever. So let's, we're gonna step up your game. Here's the deal. I'm not saying when we, I'm not saying, like, I don't, that, none of that's biblical, okay? But, but, but here's the thing. I'm not saying anybody in this room needs to be doing anything that would draw attention to them. It is not about that. Everything should be pointed towards the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything should be pointed at him. But here's what I'm determined. I don't want to show up in heaven and have to upgrade my worship. If I'm going to worship him for eternity and when you get to heaven, you won't be able to help it. I don't care how staunch you've been. I don't care how straight-laced. I don't care how prideful you've been. I don't care about any of that. When you get to heaven, I promise you, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. For eternity, we're gonna join in with all the hosts of heaven. You're not gonna be like, you, you wasted your whole life. You could have been starting to learn how to use your voice and actually carry a tune a little bit. You get to heaven, you're not gonna have a choice. So for the very first time, you may be opening your mouth and singing at the top of your lungs because you realize in that moment, he has always been worth it. You just didn't give him everything that he was worth. And in that moment, you're gonna open your mouth and be like, ah! you're not gonna be able to help it. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm hoping with glorified bodies, we're all gonna sound amazing, right? That's going to be cool. Can we do it right now?
Can we do that right now? Can we stand to our feet? Can we stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together? Can we shout and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can you use your instrument and bring him glory? Some of y'all understand he's worthy of all of it. You might even do it for a while. Okay, okay, shut up and sit down. Here's the thing. Why does it take me doing that for that to happen? I'm sorry, I'm a little bit upset right now. Why does it take that? Why does it take that? Okay, I don't mind. I don't mind. That's my role. I'll step into that. I'll encourage you. I'll remind you. But it shouldn't take that, and it shouldn't take just Sunday. And it shouldn't just take a service. You should be driving down the road using your instrument to worship him as king of kings and lord of lords. Shut off the radio. Shut off the radio. Sometimes I pray for a fundraising to happen on Caleb so you'll shut off your radio. God, forgive me for saying that. They do a lot of good. I'm thankful for them. People have been reached. People have been ministered to. But Lord, help them raise money some other way in Jesus' name. But sometimes I just pray for that. Maybe you'll shut that off and just get the distraction. You know what your kids need to see? Parents, they need to see you going off in your car worshiping Jesus. That's what they need to see. That's what they need to see. We did it on the way back from camping. I embarrassed the snot out of my kids. I was, I was listening to the original Third Day CD, still a great track. I realized, I realized that a lot of my theology came from that album. Like, and I'm up there, I'm singing Blackbird, why you wearing that frown? Okay, I like singing the whole way back. My kids are like, oh my gosh. I'm like, who are you embarrassed through? I'm like, nobody, it's just, it's family. I, I don't know what's going on. I, they realize I know every single word to all the old DC talk. Uh, come on, I can do every rap, every word. I mean, we were spitting truth up in that car. It's time. The word says that in those, the last days, the worshipers, the worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. With their heart and their truth, with everything they have. I spent way too long on that point, but I felt like I needed to, to settle into it a little bit. We need to celebrate and worship should be obvious, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus celebrated special moments, so should we. Last thing, I'll do it quick, or maybe I won't. Stop and spend time around the table. That's been the whole theme of this. So this is how Jesus rounded up his week. Matthew 26, verse 20. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. <laughs> I love that. What a, what a vibe killer, Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're just enjoying this meal. Hey, by the way, one of you is going to totally betray me tonight. 
Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. Son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the son of man. It would have been better for him not to be born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me. Rabbi, it's interesting that he calls him teacher when the rest of his disciples are calling him Lord. You know, when you don't really know Jesus, you don't really even call him by the right names. Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and again, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink this fruit of this vine from now until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In every account, in all the gospels, and every theologian would say that as soon as Jesus addressed Judas, he got up, Judas got up and left right there. That's when Judas left. And it's clear that he got up and left the meal early because he didn't hear about the new covenant. And because he didn't hear about the new covenant, when he did sin, he was so overwhelmed with condemnation and shame and guilt, he tried to pay his way back with the 30 pieces of silver that he had betrayed Jesus for. And that, that can be a picture of how we live life sometimes. If you get disconnected from the new covenant, from what Jesus did, you can think it's still on you to earn it. You can somehow do enough good things to have that relationship with Jesus, to be connected to God. And it's not about anything you can ever do. It's always been about what Jesus already did. You just have to accept it. So this is a little bit more of a serious note around this table. Jesus put a premium on the table though. Being around each other, he knew the soul needs to be around people to be healthy. I think unfortunately some of you are now in a place where you eat around a table or around a TV with a phone in your hand and it's like going back to the stone age. Like you sit around and just grunt. <clears throat> There's no real conversation happening. But Jesus knew that even with tough conversations that in this place it was gonna be soul therapy. There's common ground. And for us, it's, it's a place where we create memories. It's a place of laughing and a place of fighting. How many of y'all know you can fight around a table? Some of y'all, the reason why you don't want you to sit around tables is because you don't want that fight. Here's the thing. If it's about you and if it's about self, selfish motives, then fights are horrible. But if what you're fighting for is a bigger picture and if what you're fighting for has to do with the kingdom of God and purpose, you need to have those fights. 
And a good place to have them is around the table because it's a place where you can say, hey, even when there's tough conversations, there can be good conversations. I've had a few of those with my family recently. But it also needs to be a place of joy. Without a doubt, if you've never been able to have a real food fight or if you've never had anybody laugh so hard they peed their pants at your table, then you are living too safe. Okay, like it is my goal. It is my goal that at least once a month that somebody at our dinner table is gonna laugh so hard that they pee their pants. And so far, I'm batting a thousand. Like this happens, okay? Like we, we laugh. It's usually the same couple of people that are peeing, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm like, if I just lean into them a little bit, I know it's gonna happen, right? But there should be joy there. But in, in Hebrew culture, man, this is the most significant conversational piece in their culture. This is where it all happened, the most important things. Relationships, we see salvations and healings around the table in the word of God, but we also say correction, repentance, restoration. And in this case, he says, one of you is gonna betray me. By the way, everyone gets a Judas and they'll always be close enough to kiss you. The question is, can you respond to your Judas the way that Jesus responded to his? And he tells him, all of you are gonna abandon me. So, good meal, huh? But he, he goes right from there to the best news. See, if it had just ended there, if it was just you're gonna betray me, you're gonna leave, you're gonna do these things. But then he went to, and this is why what I'll say next is so important. Because I'm establishing a new covenant. That even though you're gonna abandon me, even though some of you are gonna deny that you even knew me, I'm gonna pay the price to fulfill the law so you can be restored, so you can come back to me. So you can be completely healed, set free, healed of addiction, healed of depression, healed of anxiety. The most broken relationships in your life can be restored. It's a new covenant. So sometimes the table is around the body of Christ. Sometimes the table is gonna be right here in this room. And sometimes I need you to give me the grace if I feel like we need to correct. Sometimes it's gonna be encouragement, but it's always gonna be about Jesus. And it's all about us being reminded of what he did and the covenant that we have because of him, the new covenant. And it's gonna be about other people being able to hear about that too. So gather around the table in your homes and gather around the table with the body of Christ and be open to how the Lord needs to speak. Amen. If you're thankful for his word, let's give him a hand this morning. Right. Okay, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for your word. Uh, forgive me for anything that just came out in my flesh. Lord, you know I'm passionate. I don't want my passion to, to be stronger than your will or to be stronger than what you want to do. So anything that I said that wasn't from you, I just pray that those things wouldn't 
wouldn't be seeds that would find any soil at all. It, those things would just be like chaff that would blow away. But everything that is from you, help it to find good soil in our hearts that it might produce fruit. I want to give an opportunity for anyone who is lost. You feel lost. Some of you don't sure why you feel lost and some of you know exactly why you're lost. But if you just feel like you're away from the Lord, you're disconnected from your heavenly father, you're disconnected from his joy and his peace. And you don't have any strong concept of how much he loves you or a concept of his purpose and what he wants to do in you and through you. I would love to give you an opportunity because he's here, he's, he's always pursued you. He's never given up on you no matter how hard Maybe you've tried to run away from him, no matter how much you believe the lies of the devil that would convince you that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't see you. He's always been here. He's always wanted a relationship with you. And I wanna give you a chance just to respond to him. And the word says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you can find salvation. Why is that important? You can make a decision in your heart and that's, God, God sees that. He can honor that. The confessing with your mouth part is important because that's what establishes and builds faith. That's an act of your will to say, I don't just believe it in my heart, I'm gonna live it. I'm gonna confess it. I'm gonna let my actions align with it. And so if you know that you're away from the Lord and you need to call on him as Lord and Savior, you know you need to reestablish or establish for the first time a genuine relationship with your heavenly father. You've got people praying for you all around you right now. Believers are praying for you because they understand how important this decision is. If that's you, I wanna pray with you too. I'm just gonna ask you to be willing to admit it. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, we'll make eye contact and put your hand down. Got you, brother. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, God. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to call on him. Hmm. A couple people wrestling with the decision in the heart that, you know, because you've been in church a long time or you've, you thought, maybe well, I did it like a long time ago. Got you, bro. And so you're, you're wrestling with, justifying, you know, whether or not you really need to do it. But what I would suggest is if you're wrestling with it, you need to do it. Be humble. Got you, bro. Be humble. Just humble yourself. You got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You raising your hands, not what gets you saved. Me seeing you raise your hand is not what gets you saved. But I know as soon as you raise your hand, as soon as you're willing to admit that, be humble. That's you saying, I confess I need Jesus. Man, grace and mercy will hit you in that moment. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior, okay? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? The Lord is patient. We've got a plan, but our plan is not more important than an opportunity.
anyone else. We're going to say a prayer. Everybody in this room, we're going to say it together. I just want you to repeat it after me. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe you died on the cross. You paid the price for my sin. You rose from the grave. You defeated sin. You defeated death so I can have the hope of heaven but I wanna have my purpose now. So I surrender to you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord, be my savior, be the closest friend I'll ever have. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for the people that said that prayer, maybe for the first time. Maybe some of them wasn't the first time, but it was the first time that they did it with a genuine heart, with genuine conviction. And I thank you, God, that you're faithful. I thank you, God, that you've met with them. God, I pray that we would be the type of people, the kind of church that we live every week like it could be our last week. God, that we would always be willing to set aside our agenda, our calendar, our schedule for an interruption that can be used by you, that could be a miracle in someone's life. God, help us to be a people that are in tune to your spirit, obedient and submitted. There's really no better way to live. There's no more fun way to live than being led by you. Help us to be those people. Help us to be people that celebrate and worship that your joy is complete. God, that we would always be preaching the gospel and rarely ever have to use words because it's so obvious that your character is manifesting through us. And God, help us to be people that build genuine and strong relationships in our homes. I pray for healing. I pray for wholeness. I pray for restoration, whatever those homes look like. I pray that the table, God, would be a place of healing, of restoration, of confidence building of joy and laughter and tough conversations. We respond to that, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.